Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues held in Lennox Head, Australia in July of 2018. It's called The Fluidity of the Self. I also want to remind our listeners of our next residential retreat, which will be in the spectacular Coromandel Peninsula of New Zealand in May of 2019. One of the things that becomes more and more apparent is the, what you might call the fluidity of the self. And that is when we see how changing the nature of what we call our self turns out to be. All the different phases of life, I mean, certainly childhood for me is just almost unrecognizable. There's very little that I can relate to as something that has been consistent. But even in my adulthood, I, I see that there have been just different whole swaths of time where my interest and my desires and my passions and my, even my friendships, it was just the other day, Recently, remembering this friend of mine when I lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts, with whom I was quite close. He was a theater critic, and I used to be able to go to all the great shows because he had free tickets. And he taught me how to play Go, and we were really good friends. He got involved with one of my friends as a relationship and so on. I was remembering him. I hadn't thought about him in ages. I looked him up and discovered he had died quite some years ago. Like whole, so many things like that, literally hundreds or thousands of times in my life where there was a whole, like almost a condensed life in and of itself in a particular place or with a particular group or a particular study, my long study of Buddhism and <laughs> now so long ago. Um, the fluidity of self Right. Another aspect of that that has been interesting to me to observe is it used to feel more solid to me. Like when I think about all those years of living that, I used to feel more of a sense of the contour of myself. I used to feel a lot more real than it does now. (laughs) It used to feel much more like my sense of who I was and somebody, not somebody important, but just somebody, anybody, it felt much more solid. I could tell you what I was about. I could tell you what my history was, what my passions were, what I thought about things, or all of those kinds of ways that we relate to our own self. Whereas now... I don't know if it's just my mind is fading or what, but but it's much less, certainly it's less self-referencing, but it also just feels more just light. The sense of self is very light. And I think that's probably a good thing. It's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot freer than it used to feel. 
And I notice that my attention is, is sort of, you could say, adrift in the now. That's the phrase that's coming. It just sort of hangs around and drifts around in the now. It's like it hears the birds or it's eating some food or just, you know, having this conversation. It's very kind of a light sense. And I suppose there are moments where it feels the passion arises for some particular thing, um, something I'm enjoying in particular. That always brings to fore the um, sense of aliveness. But I guess the point I'm making is that this transition from being much more self-referential and much more a sense of myself as a self to this sort of very light experience of awareness that is just hanging around. Now, obviously sometimes when there's a threat to the system, whatever that threat may be, the sense of self comes to the fore more strongly. Whether it's a physical threat, you know, you have a near miss in the car or something like that, or a perceived sense of some sort of harm, either psychologically or whatever. One of my close friends is dealing with something like that, and I could feel it on her behalf. I could feel um, she's having people doing a cyber attack on her, on her and online, and I could feel a certain movement of wanting to protect her in a certain way that my sense of self became strong in that, in that. So there are moments, of course. Um, but for the most part, it's, yeah, adrift in the now. <laughs> Very kind of a lot lighter than it used to be. This is not by way of saying there's, it's been any kind of attainment whatsoever. It's not. I don't consider it that. Um, I suspect uh, all the usual neurosis is underneath there or there, for sure. I see it now and again. But uh, I, even the relationship to that is light. Like, I don't really care. I'm not trying to make it better or anything like that. So there's just this kind of much more freedom in the experience of the so-called self. (laughs) We've talked, all of us I know, have uh, understood this concept of not buying into the story of your biography so strongly, but it's something even more delicate than that. You express it so beautifully because, um, you know, that, that gift of words and descriptive words of the experience and, um, yeah, you were just speaking, speaking for me mm-hmm. because that's, how, well, that's what this experience is. That's what you're experiencing yeah, too. Yeah. 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 It's, yes, it's, um, <sighs> yes, it's very light and very beautiful and, and forever changing. 
Yeah. Yes, indeed. But the right. change is, is um, nothing. It's just like ripples, really. Yes, like ripples, yeah, yeah. On, yeah. The, on, a, on a surface of yeah. water. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes it's a little bit rougher and then yeah. other times it's completely yeah. still. And this, this subject arose for me um, because Marianne walked in here today. We haven't seen each other in six weeks or more. And... Um, she had just recently come from Canada and she just said to me the words, have you been there? And I answered, I lived there for a year once. Um, I lived in British Columbia in Canada. And, and when I sat down, I, I was remembering, yeah, I did. I lived there once. <laughs> I had a whole life there. <laughs> I ran a whole big <laughs> growth center called Hollyhock. <laughs> And it's just, you know, poof, poof. You know, just these bubbles in the stream of life. Yes, I lived there once. And it's kind of like that about a lot, with all of it, pretty much. Uh, You know, I lived there once. (laughs) We have have so many experiences in this life, don't we? It's just constantly, constantly changing. And it just, yeah, just... Just yeah, it just becomes more like air, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah, it? very good. Yes, yeah. yes, right. About about that uh, amount of substantiality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and I related to what you said when you know that it did feel more kind of solid and right. kind of grounded or something, and, and right. more real, real. Yeah. Like I used to but, be a person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> certain things um, do con- condense in a way when there's more action and, you know, you need the motivation to right. solve, a problem. you know, to move into solutions and yes. things like that. That's where, when I notice. Me that, too. Um, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden there's something to be dealt with and some solution to be found and then it kind of, you know, condenses for a while and then it just, as that happens, it, it kind of expands again exactly. or softens and, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly that, beautiful. yeah. Yeah, I feel so lucky. <laughs> yes, yes, right. Mm. I wonder if it comes with age. I wonder if it often, yeah. Well, I don't, I, I think, I think it, a certain amount can, but I still, from my observation, yeah. what I notice is that it appears like that for some people yeah. and then for others it's... Maybe not. <laughs> it, it, ex, it, it seems to accentuate all, everything else that they've built up That's through true. their life and, it, and it's, it can be really terrible, so... That's and, very true. And very yeah. Yeah. dense. Yeah. Very dense. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, so, yeah. I, so I don't think, you know, it's not I don't think age. it's everyone's no. experience. It's not age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's not just age. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, we can certainly quickly think of examples <laughs> of people who are have, you know, who are older and yet have a, even perhaps stronger solidity or a, a stronger sense of wanting to hold on to that sense of self. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have a friend at the moment who's had to go into a clinic, you know, and she's in a terrible way, you know, and, you know, I've known her for years and she's a satsang person and, you know, she's been on the path or whatever you'd, you know, you'd like to call it for many, many years and, and um, she had a few strong life circumstances and it just knocked the socks off her and she's just totally crumpled and gone back into, you know, terrible states of negativity and thinking and catastrophizing and yeah. all sorts of bodily symptoms and it's just really shocking for me to see because it's, you know, yeah. it's just... So, yeah, you know, where does that, you know, none of us would choose that and I'm sure she would, wouldn't have chosen that but she's just in the thick of it and she's just... Well, one of the yeah. things I've uh, observed in my own case and in, and in knowing so many people over the years is that information soaks in at different levels with each of us. So sometimes it soaks in initially just purely intellectually, which is fair enough. That's probably the first door it has to enter, um, where it makes sense, right? It makes rational sense. Then you could say it starts to soak in more emotionally, like almost like a drenching starts to happen of the, of the knowing. It starts to soak in a bit more emotionally. But eventually it soaks in so much that... It's just second nature. There's no, you don't even have to think about it. It's, it's fully saturated. I, so I've often, because so many times you, you watch someone and you wonder, but I thought you would have known that, you know? And you think of that in your, even in your own case, <laughs> you know? Um, um, and you realize, well, they did know it, but only on a certain level, not fully saturated, Right. And what I notice is that, you know, where I I have a very deep trust, you know, so so um, it's like when any I get ruffled in any way, that deep trust is so strong that yes. it, it, you know, it settles very quickly and, um, you know, what I'm noticing in her that... that I don't think that foundation has ever is there ever been there to yes. to experience that incredible trust. Yeah. yeah, that that is certainly a very lucky thing to have that kind of confidence yeah. that somehow at some point the awareness will reset itself mm. to the deeper channel mm. and not just be splashing around in the fear and the paranoia and the solidification of the sense of self which is only going to intensify the problem mm. um, yeah that's why I so love the the use of basically understanding that you can direct your attention and that the more you direct your attention the more habituated that becomes that such that it does saturate in, it becomes second nature. And that's a little bit what I'm alluding to here today is that the, after hearing, you know, the, the teachings in various ways, great teachings over the so many years, 
how it has sort of become very much second nature, this, this sort of lightness of being, you know. Uh, it's kind of finally moved to that. With, of course, let's, I really want to be clear because I don't want to, I never want to propose I'm in a steady state of any kind. I'm seriously not. <laughs> but so there's moments that are, that the, you know, the ego material comes to the fore in a kind of shocking way. Um, or fear arises or anxiety arises or any number of the, you know, the sort of dark states will will flash through for usually with some provocation. Um, but like you said, there's a kind of confidence that knows that this will only be tolerated a certain amount of time before the attention is going to redirect itself. And um, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. I'm always really astonished every time I come that it's so on topic to how I've been feeling. And I've also been sitting with this thing in the last week, feeling that I don't really care anymore about a lot of things and things that I was attached to are drifting away. And also that I was thinking about, I've been thinking quite a lot about death recently and just wondering whether I can come to terms with my own death. It's, it's, it's like a big, a huge thing. And I'm terrified of flying. So I recently did a trip to Japan and that was a really big thing. So I did the will and all that sort of stuff before I <laughs> went because I was certain I was going to be dying on that trip. It's kind of like a really interesting idea actually, the... Because uh, I was reading also somewhere that people that have a real sense of entitlement often have a fear of death by flying. It's actually very rare that you would die on a plane, you know. Yeah. And so that got me thinking about entitlement, my own, you know, sense of, I mean, how dare I think that I should be so lucky to die in a one of the few that gets to. Yeah, I, I know, isn't, it's quite <laughs> hilarious, really, thinking about that, you know. And I was, there was a moment when I was on the plane and thinking, if I die now, it could be really good because I wouldn't be suffering, you know, there would be a couple of minutes of terror and all the other things that might go through, but yeah. I wouldn't be suffering for long. For long. No. No, and it would just be all over and I've done my will so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's almost like giving myself permission to just die and, yeah, it's, it's a new kind of exploration that I'm on at the moment and it makes I feel quite fragile within it. Yeah. Um, but, and also lighter in a way. I know that there was a moment on the plane when I looked out the window and saw the real beauty in the sky mm. and mm. almost like letting myself die or relief about dying gave me a new appreciation about living. Yes. Which, I mean, I guess 
makes really makes a lot of sense. And there's a there's a relief in there. You know, there's a lot of fear around that too. Yeah. You know, sort of fear around the living part or um, just the daily things that come to make the atmosphere dense, like you were speaking of before. You know, so that so you can I can feel when it's suddenly the mind is very busy. There are things that are going over and over and and then there can be just stillness and nothingness and yeah. real relaxation, mostly when I'm in just in nature, quite quiet. Yes. And appreciate, you know, and I haven't got all those thoughts so busy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very interesting to hear you talk on, on it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that came to say <clears throat> uh, as you were speaking about the fear of death, um, something that Punjaji said, which was something like, who's ever afraid to go to sleep? Right? You think about it that way. Of course, now dying in a plane crash is a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, what, what would be hard about that, and I also have a fear of flying. I still do it, but I don't like being up there. Um, it, it's just the, 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 those last moments just would be probably very unpleasant, maybe, um, but yeah. seemingly. Um, but a lot of other ways of dying... Um, it may be more like drifting off to sleep. Um, I think that's sort of the ultimate that we many people wish for. Um, and actually, a friend of friend of a friend of mine recently did die at a young age. He didn't feel well, and he went to bed, and he did. He was dead. But I mean, not but, only just not only dying in one sleep, yeah. which certainly would be the ultimate. Yes, <laughs> but but um, but. Even people who've been ill, and then at some point the illness takes them, and and then there's this just this drifting off from this consciousness. Mm. Um, and I just loved the gentleness of that. Um, and also, many many years ago, I interviewed a woman named Hel- Helen Nearing. They, she and her husband Scott Nearing were these famous communists and original back to the landers in um, in America, and. Um, and they had, in their, in their marriage, in their adult lives together, they had fasted one day a week. They were vegetarians back, in, you know, 100 years ago, more literally. Um, <clears throat> but they'd also fasted one day a week. And, and when Scott turned 100 and could no longer chop wood for their winter, because they lived up in Maine... Um, he said to his wife, I'm going to go on a long fast, which, of course, she understood what that meant. And um, so he stopped eating. And it took, I think he was still having some water. Anyway, had some water and no food. It took about 30 days. And then I interviewed her for an article about that and about her life with him. And there was a line that she said, which I never forgot. She said, his death 
was like a leaf falling from a tree. And it was just, oh, you know, like that. And so some of those kinds of um, reflections um, have always taken the, the kind of the sting of the fear out. I think there's a biological fear that arises naturally, but, but in terms of how it might be or could be, and how we've seen it be with some people. Um, and I think as we get older, there are lots of little deaths. Just as we're saying here, whole ways that you used to be, the whole things you used to be interested in. Like you said, you, things are falling away. Mm. Me too. A, a lot of the cares of the world that I feel like I used to kind of carry around and feel like I had to be on top of or at least bear witness to and all those things which has its point and its place but um, yeah all of that is getting lighter and lighter as well and I've been noticing the world's been carrying along just fine and without my involvement <laughs> it's amazing really <laughs> <laughs> it's astonishing <laughs> Yeah, all those things that I used to get so controlling about and so whatever. And yes. It's like, it's such a relief just to go, oh, actually, right. it's really fine if I don't do that or be that or try to change something. You know, I can actually really, yeah, it's, it makes life so much more pleasurable. Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah. And it's not in apathy, it's not no. apathy. It's oh. something else. It's some other way in which one yeah. sees clearly um, what one can affect and what one cannot affect mm. and starts to put one's energy into that which one actually can affect. And that might be a very, very sort of contained and localized circumstance. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But one of the things that helps me to stop getting too caught up in our external things is if I start obsessing about something, I remember to ask myself, will this matter at the time of death? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 99% of whatever <laughs> I'm so stressing about won't matter. Yes. And that yeah. just brings me up. Oh, yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. Even, even if you even ask the question, will it matter in a year from now? Yes. That'll also eliminate another... Yes. <laughs> 50% anyway. Because I work with death and dying, it's always there. Yeah, so right. <laughs> yes, exactly, right. That keeps you on track with and what the priorities I'm are. Not mm. always appreciated when I offer that to other people, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're welcome, yeah. I guess everything feels less substantial than it used to. Yes. And in a way, I, it feels like I don't even care as much. Yeah, well, that's part of the insubstantiality is yeah. that you don't care yeah. as much. You know, you know that great line in um, Bob Dylan's song, um, 
People are crazy and times are strange. I'm locked in tight. I'm out of range. I used to care, but things have changed. (laughs) (laughs) That's a perfect description. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just going back for a moment on the how are you thing. Recently I've started saying I'm fabulous. Yep. I'm excellent. Or some not this good, I'm good. Yeah. And and then I'll say, and how are you? Or the person will say, Oh my my goodness, I'll be shocked <laughs> that I'm not just saying I'm good. Right. Because good is just such a nebulous nothing thing, which seems to be this all-pervading goodness that we're all expected to do. I think mm. it's part of this thing of not caring about what people, you know, and being prepared to say what it is. And because it is every moment, it could be a different thing. So mm. I really try to take a moment and say, well, actually, I'm feeling very excited. <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of an invitation, I feel, for the other person to search inside yeah. themselves instead of being this nebulous, good Thing yeah, yeah, it gives permission to it just gives sort permission. of say it like yeah. you mean it, yeah. Yeah, and that's exciting because people can come alive and see that there's another possibility. Yeah. Mm. I sometimes, um, though, am aware if I'm speaking to someone who I feel their light is a little dim, then I don't necessarily... Uh, Flash mine out. (laughs) I'm just great. (laughs) Too bad you're not. Um, You know, I I mean, that's that would be the only time that I would maybe um, mitigate it. But yes, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's that's really good. Good to notice. Yes. Sort of feel, and maybe, yeah, maybe. I think that when people, when certainly for myself, when I feel like that. I don't even, it doesn't really even occur to me to ask the other person, you know, even though it might be a normality of things, I might be so deep in feeling sad and sorry for myself or, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, that's, but it is really good to be aware. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. I mean, I just know it from from the other side in terms of when I've been down, you know, in times... You know, I went through a phase many, many years ago of depression, and um, and you know, I didn't really want to hear about how fabulous everyone else else's time was. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> in that space, I've just wanted people to crawl into the same hole with me or something. You know, it's it's very difficult to hear how sparkly somebody else is. Was right. Yeah. Well, I've often, <clears throat> I, I, I'm extremely sensitive, I guess, to the um, experience of empathy, whether I'm experiencing it with somebody else for, on their behalf or they're experiencing it on my behalf. Um, I, I, it's a quality that I very much appreciate, you know, because it, 
It's a feeling into, it's an interbeing. It is, and it's such an important quality that I don't think, you know, we haven't really learnt, our conditioning hasn't taught us much empathy, you know, because we are supposed to be all good and fine and operating at a level where we're functioning and producing product or income or whatever it is for to keep yes. the, the government's pockets, whatever it is, we're, yeah. we're, we're supposed to be like a bit drone-like really, you know, and so yeah. and, and there's not much room for people who have, you know, are feeling depressed and sad and hence the whole thing about mental illness and etc. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's not a good look to be admitting that you're not doing that well. That's why I think we're all saying, yeah, I'm good. I, of course, yes, that's right. And I think, too, to your point of the <clears throat> the cultural overlay of there's so much competition, um, you know, in our Western societies in particular, but every it's spreading the world over, of course. There's so much competition. Um, and it's exalted. It's, it's, it's a value that... It is in the corporate culture and in in all of the sort of um, cultures that are that are the predominant ethos now mm. and and from that vantage point, empathy gets short shrift yeah. right and yet, as one wakes up as one as one's own being becomes more and more uh, subtly experienced. Empathy arises on its own. It, 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 it arises without you being able to even control it and, and um, such that you have to be pretty brave-hearted to bear it, right? Because you start to feel a lot of empathy for a lot of people. Yeah. I know? think for me the last couple of years I've been feeling more, a lot more empathy for myself and mm. as the self-empathy really grows... Mm then it's like it's filling up my own cup and then yeah. it's now spilling out to Beautiful. other people. Yeah, I think that it does work that way, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also a kind of an, an, a knowing of your own being, right? Yeah. And knowing how how sensitive that, that whole system is, right? As you all have been speaking, I mean, I... I um, with it all, um, I find it really curious. Even as you said, I've been away, been on holiday for six weeks, almost six weeks, and, um, and that it kind of was split up in two parts. And the first part was split up in three or four parts. <laughs> and as as I moved into the next phase of the holiday, the previous one was already so unreal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even now. I've been home a week and it's it's so far in the past. Yeah. 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 I know the past really is very past. Yes. Very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 when when I see the photos I've got one of the photos of my holidays my screen on my desktop now and it's like oh when was that? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was so stunning and so beautiful and we were so in it yeah. in the moment. Yeah, but yeah. when you're not, it's, when you're not, it's gone. Right. Who, who was that in it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
And, and the same as you, all these past lives that, that I've had. We went to a musical, a school musical last night of, of a high school oh, oh. in uh, Scanner's Head. Um, just because we could and the neighbor's child is in it. And remembering the days, which is just over 10 years ago that I went to high school musicals for... Your sons. My sons. Not that they were in it, but yeah we went to and and it's it's a completely different era oh my gosh yes, yes right yeah. yeah yeah now they're grown men in their own jobs and yes yes i know yeah, yeah and it's, it's it's like who was i then who were they then who, yeah yeah and, and life was so different then yeah yeah yeah, it's so great to kind of just step back and take the uh, the meta view on the whole production, mm. you know, because mm. we sweat the stuff so intensely, yes. you know, mm. every little thing is a big drama, you know, and yeah. all the, the impulses of self-importance and productivity and what what's my purpose and what have I what is my legacy and all that kind of it just is just fades away gone yeah. when you finally see clearly it's like yeah, yeah. completely really, irrelevant yeah really just a drop on a hot plate yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> drop of water on a hot plate yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and and yeah. so so liberating. Mm. I don't mean that in any fancy spiritual sense. I mean it in the real direct experience of mm. being that you don't feel burdened with a bunch of yeah. concepts that are just driving you crazy. This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session by phone or Skype and see our schedule of upcoming events. If you're a regular listener, please consider making either a one-time or a recurring tax-deductible donation in any amount that is comfortable for you, or give us a review wherever you're getting your podcast. Till next time. <laughs>